Hello and welcome to Power Through Healing, the podcast created to support your inner evolution. I'm your host, Amanda Thomas, and today I am bringing you an amazing conversation that I had with Laura Scrow, and she is this enthusiastic, super energetic, and passionate psychotherapist practicing in Los Angeles, California. And we talked a lot about making decisions in our life. I know that sometimes we have a lot of options available to us. We have all these different paths that we could be taking. And when we have that many options available to us, it can sometimes be overwhelming. And for me personally, I know that I tend to freeze up and I don't always know how to take action. So she helps me navigate that. So I hope that you guys get some really great takeaways from this conversation. Please make sure to share them with me. Find me on Instagram and send me a message or even email me. All of my information is in the show notes, but let's dive right into this amazing conversation. So Laura, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to just dive right into conversation. So tell everyone a little bit about you and your background and what you're doing in the world. Sure. Yeah. So I'm Laura. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, licensed psychotherapist practicing here in Los Angeles, California. I have a private practice where I help folks who are dealing with things like anxiety, um, people pleasing, perfectionism, and major life transitions or major changes going on in their lives. So a lot of different stuff that we cover in our sessions. That is awesome. And I think right now as a collective, we are all kind of facing this massive reset almost after coming out of COVID in the past few years of just all the ups and the downs. And I feel like we're, we're starting to release some of that stress and some of that anxiety, but I'm sure that you're doing such an amazing job of helping others to just kind of reconfigure their lives. Are you noticing that? Are people having those mind shifts or those life shifts? Totally. I think one of the biggest themes that I've noticed coming out of COVID is that it's really made people reevaluate their priorities or their interests or their goals and really just think, is this what I want? my life to be or is what I thought my life was going to be actually how it needs to be. I think COVID has just really shaken up a lot of people's perspectives, you know, because we learned so much about like working remotely, for example, or, you know, changes we need to make to our financial situations or all these different things. So a lot of folks that I work with that I've seen have just been like, okay, wait, I had this whole thing planned out, this whole idea of what was going to happen in my life. And now I'm like rethinking everything. Yeah, absolutely. And we've all been there despite COVID or not anytime in our lives. So, so how do we kind of navigate this world of opportunities and options? And I know for me in the past, when I feel a little bit too overwhelmed with the direction my life could go, I tend to just freeze up and then I just don't take action at all. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The freeze response is so real. Um, A lot of folks have that, right? You hear about fight or flight a lot, but freeze is also a totally normal uh, response that our bodies can physiologically have when we're faced with some anxiety or some uncertainty, right? And so one of the big things is to just kind of ground yourself. That's always the first thing that I tell folks that I work with is to do some kind of activity to remind you like, where am I? 
I don't have to decide everything in this moment. There's time and there's space to figure out what's next, right? I don't have to make all the decisions right now. I'm not married to any of my choices permanently in this moment. Mm. And so there's a few ways we can do that. Um, you know, deep breathing is something I really recommend and teach to all my clients because again, what's happening in that freeze response is the physiology of your body, right? Your sympathetic nervous system is getting really overwhelmed. And so your brain's going out to lunch. So if we can do something like deep breathing or some kind of tactile grounding that engages your different senses, at least then that starts to calm down your body. And then you can kind of think a little bit more instead of just having this like impulsive reaction. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love what you said about, I'm not married to my choices. I don't have to, you know, just because I make a decision right now, doesn't mean it has to be forever. I was just speaking about this the other day where it's like, go out and try things and try something new and see what might work for you. What could be a possibility for you? And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. At least you can say, cool. Now I know, now I know what doesn't work for me. And I'm a little bit closer to what might, you know, what will work for me. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's really important to understand is you can be flexible. You can try new things. Nothing has to last forever if, if it doesn't work out. So if we, you know, if we're facing all this overwhelm and if you had someone that came to you and said, I don't, I have no clue what I'm doing. I have no clue where I want to go. I have no clue what to do right now. How do you kind of help them to, to figure out and to narrow things down? Yeah, totally. So there's a few things I would do in that kind of scenario and have done, because this is something I get a lot, especially with folks that I see that are just, you know, finishing college and they're like, okay, what, what do I do in my life now or other major life transitions? Right. So, um, a big thing is to believe it or not, just allow yourself to feel that anxiety, right. To not try to avoid it or push it out of the way, because then you get into a power struggle with your feelings. And it's a lot harder to feel in control of anything when you're like not even feeling in control of your feelings. So just allowing space for them to exist the way that they are. That's the first thing. Um, another thing that I really come back to is like, what are our basic values as an individual? So I'll do some sort of, you know, exploration with clients about like, what are the things in life that are important to you? What are, let, Let's list out five or 10 values that you really, really resonate with and see if that helps guide us towards different options or different things that we want to do because the analysis paralysis can totally be real. I did not make up that term. I cannot take credit for it, but um, that's, that's kind of what happens. We get paralyzed in the overwhelm of so many choices. And a lot of times those choices can be based in, you know, expectations of what we should do based on society or based on the people in our lives or their expectations of us. And so if we really hone in on what our individual values are, then we get to decide, okay, I value, let's say adventure, right? That's a big one for me. And so for me, that means like keeping space and time in my life to travel and and saving money for travel. And so if I kind of get disconnected from that value and then I'm not traveling because I'm not thinking about it, I'm going to feel the effects of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to, I'm going to get burnt out faster because I don't have that to look forward to. So really guiding clients or people towards like, what are my values? What is important to me? How is that going to lead me closer to to where I might want to go? Yeah, exactly. And so what's a good way to separate our, our thinking in terms of 
I should, I feel like I should be doing this, or we might get our values mixed up based off of what we've been told or the people that have raised us or Mm -hmm. others in our life versus what is true to us. So how do we decipher between what's true to our own values versus what we maybe have been programmed to believe or to think? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because that comes up all the time for people of, and, and I guess where I'd start with that would just to be, would just be, um, you know, checking in with yourself as you're doing something, as you're thinking about like, okay, do I value this or do I want to make this choice or take this job or go in this direction or whatever it is, check in with like how that feels. And this is going to sound so like absurdly simple, but I actually have used this in sessions too, where I'll encourage my clients to get out a coin and flip the coin, not to make the decision for them, but because usually when it's in the air, you know, which one you want it to land on, right? Or, or if it's heads, you realize in that moment, if you actually wanted it to be tails. And so, you know, I don't encourage anyone to flip a coin and make a decision based on what comes up, but you kind of know what your gut level reaction is in that moment. And so anything that can encourage that sort of um, exploration or just like checking in with yourself, I really encourage. That's so cool. I have never heard anyone say to do that. (laughs) And I, that is so true. There's always an outcome that you prefer and you just don't even realize it sometimes. So that's an awesome trick. I'm going to keep that for sure. I mean, sometimes it's just trial and error, you know, and I think we, we have this idea, especially those of us who maybe grew up as perfectionists or who grew up as people pleasers or who maybe like had adults in our life that expected a lot from us. It's so hard to know what we actually want for ourselves. And it's so hard to, to not feel like we should be doing X, Y, Z, right? And so we have to break away from that somehow. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a big believer that we were born to be creators for the world. We are meant to work in collaboration with one another. And, you know, my work is to help others align with their highest potentials. So how do you recommend just getting into alignment with your highest version of self, your highest potential, whatever you want to call it? Yeah. Um, I would start with just giving yourself permission. Right. And that, I guess it comes back to the trial and error piece a little bit too, because again, if you grew up with certain expectations or with the assumption that you weren't allowed to fail, whatever failure really means, right. Then you're, you're going to have been taught over all those years that like, you're not allowed to mess up or that it has to be perfect or done right the first time, or that you are married to your decisions, right? That once you decide this, you have to stick with it. And that's so limiting because as humans, naturally we evolve and we grow and we change. And so do our priorities and maybe our values too, over time, depending on where we are in life. And so give yourself permission to have flexibility, give yourself Mm -hmm. permission to try something without the carrot at the end of the stick right? Without it bringing you money or or being perfect yeah. or whatever that looks like, just doing it for the sake of trying it and seeing how you feel about it. And then giving yourself permission to have whatever feelings actually come up and not try to fight them. Yes. Give yourself permission. I love that. And how do we, obviously we have some reprogramming to do in our lives. And so So what are some ways to overcome those either people pleasing or those limiting beliefs or those patterns 
that, like you said, make us feel like we have to be doing something again, you know, what are some ways that you help people navigate that to step into their own power versus living from this past conditioning? Yeah. So it definitely takes time. And so I always just start with that caveat of like, you know, allow yourself to go through this process organically, whatever that looks like. Um, But a lot of what I do is ask, you know, my clients, like, what is the story that you're telling yourself right now? Mm -hmm. What is the belief that is coming out in that story? What, what do you believe about yourself, your potential, what you should be doing, all of those different things. And then is that story helping you? And, and the reason why I kind of go in that direction is because like, we could be doing a lot of things that feel like they're good or whatever, but if they're not bringing us closer to, like you said, our highest potential or where we want to be, even if we don't even know what that is yet, we usually know if we're on a direction that doesn't feel good. Right. Mm -hmm. So then it's not helpful. It might be getting you a promotion, but maybe that's not what you actually need in order to be at your highest self, right? And so really checking in with yourself again, not to sound like a broken record, but <laughs> of um, <clears throat> what's the story? Is this story helpful to me? Um, can I change parts of this story to to make it more in line with what I actually want to be doing. And and some of that comes back to like an approach that we use a lot in cognitive behavioral therapy, which is kind of reframing our thoughts to be more helpful. So if I'm telling myself in my head, like, okay, I have to do this project at work or else I'm a failure. And then if I don't do this, then I'm not going to get promoted. And I, you know, just feel this certain way about my job. That's like a huge spiral. That's not helpful, not bringing us closer to where we want to go. So how do we change that? Right is this project really the end all be all of this job? Is this job really in line with my values and and what I want my highest self to look like? Right. And I like that you use that terminology too, that I have to, I have to do this. I have to do that. And that's a big one for so many of us. And I would love your advice or your wisdom on this. Mm -hmm. What do we do when we feel like we constantly have to be doing something? I know when I was talking to someone, it's like, asking yourself like but if it doesn't get done though truly like what would happen right like what would really happen if I didn't do it so many times we think well I have to be the one to do this or I have to do this or it won't get done the right way or it won't get done at all so what's the end all be all of it not getting done so how do you help people when they're having those you know anxious thoughts or that um, energy around that Yeah. So that's definitely an example of catastrophic thinking, right? If I don't do this, then this will happen. And then suddenly we're spiraled into a rabbit hole of doom. (laughs) And so part of how we do that is there's times where I encourage people actually to go down the rabbit hole a little bit, right? It depending on the situation, but um, it's, it's what you just said, like what will actually happen if I don't do this? Like, what is the actual worst case scenario? Is it that you're going to lose your job? Usually that's not the case, right? But even if it was, then what? You know, and so kind of um, going down that I would recommend doing that with a loved one or a therapist so you're not getting, you know, caught up in the spiral along the way. Mm -hmm. But another thing, too, is just to even ask yourself, like, am I even thinking about this objectively? Right. Our emotions can get in the way a lot of the time and and they are important and we need to leave space for them. But they also influence our thoughts and often skew us towards some kind of unhelpful response, right? So even like noticing, okay, I'm thinking like kind of catastrophically right now, like that's probably not the only way to consider this situation. Um, you know, and, and a big thing that I use with 
pretty much everyone I work with is I ask them like, what would you say to your most cherished loved one if they were coming to you with this problem? Or what would you say to your, you know, best friend? Would you tell them like, yeah, you have to do that. Otherwise you're a useless piece of crap. No, (laughs) you don't say that to your friends, right. Or your loved ones. So why do you say it to yourself? And, and sometimes having that externalized, like, like thinking of your anxiety as this external thing can be really helpful in, in separating yourself enough from it to look at it more objectively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's huge. And I mean, I'm always so curious about anxiety because I, I guess I never realized how much anxiety I actually have had and dealt with in my life because it's kind of a new topic for me to really explore. And so I never thought of myself as like an anxious person, but the more I kind of am doing my healing work and and looking into things, I'm like, wow, I, I had I had a lot of anxiety in those situations and I notice it now more in my day to day. So how do we, I like that you said to keep our anxiety kind of as an external thing, Mm -hmm. but how do we learn or how do we start to keep our emotions out of things, especially when it comes back to this topic of making decisions and trying to align with our purpose or our passion, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. how do we keep the emotions out of it and begin to start thinking objectively? Yeah. So I I would actually go back a step and say that the goal is not even necessarily to be completely logical either. I think there's probably some people who would disagree with me on that, Mm -hmm. but the goal is to have balance, right? So we're honoring the emotions because they're there for a reason. Our emotions are trying to tell us something, right? It's the most primal sort of instinctive parts of ourselves that are coming out in those emotional moments. Um, You know, the origins of the fight or flight response uh, that there's an evolutionary base in that. So they're trying to communicate with us. They kind of jump the gun a little bit and then over communicate. And then we skew that way. So we want balance between our emotional state and also our kind of more objective, uh, intellectual, logical side and, and really weighing both of those to kind of come up with our next move. And so part of the ways that we can do that is if you're having an anxious thought or an anxious spiral, whatever it might be, adding in just the language, I'm noticing that I'm having the thought that. Or right now I'm feeling that whatever it is, because what that does is it creates distance between the actual thought and feeling and, um, and yourself. So it doesn't feel as true. Like when you say I'm, I'm, you know, I'm useless because I don't know what my next move is, or, oh, if I don't take this path, like I'm probably just not even going to end up where I want to end up. Try, I'm noticing right now that I'm thinking I'm not going to end up where I want to be. And Mm -hmm. just that shift in language can sometimes be enough to take a step back and be like, oh, okay, this is not actually like what's happening. There's there's a more objective way to think about this. And and thoughts and feelings truly are temporary. So having that distance gives you some space to look at it for what it is and then reevaluate if that's really how you want to respond to it. Mm. I love that. And I'm kind of laughing inside because I just posted a short video earlier on social media about, you know, we can't just sweep our emotions and feelings under a rug. We can't just say, I don't want to feel this way. So I'm not going to feel this way. We do have to first identify, oh, I do feel this way. And Mm -hmm. why do I feel this way? And so it's just so powerful the way that you just reframe things in your mind. And you're speaking a lot to the fact that we are in control of our thoughts and then our feelings and our emotions. If we really just make sure to be consciously aware of them. 
That's 100% it. I mean, literally in, in most of my clients, like the biggest shift is initially when they just start noticing the way that they think, you know, it's, it's so much less of like the other stuff, you know, comes later. And with practice, you get better at reframing stuff more naturally. And, and you, you, the big piece here is to just not get in a power struggle with your own thoughts and feelings, because it's going to be really hard to win that. And right. so just building that awareness of, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a lot in just all or nothing. That's a big one I see, right? The catastrophic thinking is another big one. Um, kind of assuming things that other people might be thinking or assuming what's going to happen if you make a certain decision when mm-hmm. you don't know, right? And, and every decision we make kind of going back to that topic too is it, it does come with calculated risks, but you know we're doing the best that we can with what we have in this particular moment. And so we have to trust in that. Exactly, exactly. How do we, how do we strengthen our trust in ourselves? Yeah, I think thinking about what our own definitions of success or failure are and what they look like. Because if you think, oh, if this happens or doesn't happen, then then I'm failing or I'm going to fail or whatnot, then you're already kind of setting yourself up for this self-fulfilling prophecy of getting disappointed, right? And interpreting that as a failure. And you're not going to feel like you can trust yourself if you're having these repeated perceived failures. So even just evaluating what does failure look like the same way that we're exploring our values, we need to explore the definitions and the expectations that we hold ourselves to. Are they even realistic, right? This is a big one for a lot of the perfectionists that I work with and myself as a recovering perfectionist, right? Of just like, does, does that actually have to mean failure or is there another way to think about it? Because every decision we make comes with those risks. Every decision we make is an opportunity to take us to a new sort of journey that maybe we hadn't considered before. Is that really a failure? Mm, Yeah, that's so powerful. Just, I mean, we need to eliminate that word failure in my mind anyways, but, but if you're going to use it, right. But if you are going to use that word, then I guess make sure you're defining it in the right way. So how do we overcome these? Because, because in healing, you know, we do come up with a lot of shame and guilt, regrets, you know, so how do we learn to release that? Yeah. And that's going to look different for everyone. Right. But I would say that a big starting point would be to just practice that same concept of giving yourself permission, give yourself permission to make mistakes mistakes or, you know, even if even a choice that didn't go the way that you wanted it to go, right? That's where a lot of our analysis paralysis even comes from. It's like, oh, I did this before and it didn't work out. So what if I make the wrong choice this time, right? So rethinking the story that's in your mind about that. Does that story have to be, I made this choice and it didn't work out and I messed up? Or is there a different way to think about that? So really just practicing being kind to yourself. Again, it might help to think like, what would I say to my friend? Would I tell her that, yeah, she is a failure? Like, hopefully not, right? Um, And so practicing speaking to ourselves that same way, practicing giving ourselves permission to not be perfect, because that's a lot of where that pressure comes from is if I make the wrong choice, like what's going to happen? What does that say about me? Right. That's where a lot of it stems from. And then it goes into that cycle of shame. And so the way to let go of that over time takes time right. is to just practice not doing that to yourself. Right. In, mm-hmm. in, in your language, in your actions and how you think about yourself and how you approach yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It all comes down to the words that you tell yourself and the pictures that you play in your mind. And so it's so important to create a new narrative because yes. I, 
I like that you brought that up as well, where just because something didn't work out in the past, just because something didn't happen for you doesn't mean that this time around it can't work out or, you know, Mm -hmm. it couldn't work out. So, so understanding that it's okay to try again, to pick yourself up and let yourself be vulnerable again. Can Mm -hmm. you speak a little bit to that, that vulnerability? Because anytime we want to show up to others in our life, show up for others in our life, or, you know, for me, it's, you know, doing this podcast or anytime I'm with a client, just making sure that I'm showing up and I'm being present and I can be prepared to take on that energy and that role of, you know, being authentic and vulnerable, it can be a little, it can cause a little anxiety. So how Mm -hmm. do we, can you speak a little bit to that? Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up. I think everyone to some degree, you know, struggles with this a little bit. And so a big piece of that vulnerability, again, comes back to having more flexible ideas about what does it mean to, um, you know, either be considered successful or to be considered a failure or whatever that is. And in your own definition of that is really important because if you walk into a situation and, you know, you have this idea of what success or failure looks like, chances are it's not going to be a realistic idea and that's going to make you feel more vulnerable and more anxious and then potentially more disappointed if things don't go well. Um, so a big part of the, the vulnerability piece too is to A, know that this comes from an underlying like people-pleasing tendency that a lot of us have, right? Um, that fear of being vulnerable, it comes from a fear of being hurt or comes from a fear of not saying or doing the right thing, right? All these different fears are kind of like underneath all of that. And so, you know, part of how we challenge that is to not take on the burden or the responsibility of how other people choose to respond to us, right? And and that's where the people-pleasing part really comes in because it's like we want so much to be present and to give back and to do all these things that we're trying to do. And, you know, we can't always, we can't control what other people are going to do in response to us. We can only control how we communicate, what we communicate, how we show up and, and all of that. And so I guess just speaking to that that anxiety, again, know that it's there, accept that it's there. Don't try to fight it. And then think about like, what is, what am I really trying to get out of this moment? Like if I'm trying to be authentic, then I just need to give myself permission to be authentic and not worry about what's going to happen or how someone's going to respond to me. Right. If the goal is I'm just going to, you know, try to make this decision or, and I'm just going to go for it, then give yourself permission to just go for it and accept Mm -hmm. that it's uncomfortable to be vulnerable. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's so important. And, you know, is there a, like a logical way to, or I'm not sure what the right word is, but how do we start to not worry about the opinions or the assumptions of others? How do we not assume, you know, someone's Mm -hmm. thinking or, so how do we learn to, you know, not give a heck what people think of us is basically what I'm trying to ask. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This I think ties in really closely to setting boundaries. Right. And I could go on a whole tangent about that and I won't, but um, it's, it's a similar idea where it's like, we allow people to access us in certain ways. That's, that's based on the boundaries we've already set or the boundaries that we're going to set. We, we sort of give people directions on how they get to access us or treat us, right? And so the next step to that is within those boundaries, then if we are, you know, approaching a situation and someone has a response to us, we get to decide 
what we do with that response. We don't get to decide how they respond. Mm. But in any situation, even if some, let's say I'm setting a boundary or I'm making a decision and someone's upset about that, right? Let's say I'm like, sorry, I can't help you move this weekend. My friend is pissed because she helped me move five times, right? Um, A, I need to rethink the the labor really in this relationship, but also, um, you know, at the end of the day, if I can't do it, I can't do it. Right. And I can set a boundary about that. And so if she has a certain reaction to me that is really upset and angry. And I'm not talking about a reaction where we can talk it out because that's different. Right. We, we want to encourage that. Right. But if, if she's just lashing at me, I get, I have a choice on what I want to do here. I can't control the way that she's talking to me necessarily, right? I can't control how she feels, but I can control, do I want to engage in that and also lash out at her and make that decision and to hell with the consequences on our relationship? Or do I want to, you know, take a deep breath, maybe take a break and come back to this conversation, maybe decide that, you know, there's a compromise that we can come to. Maybe it's, you know, all these different like little micro decisions can be made. And so I guess that's where it comes in is, a, be prepared for people to sometimes not like your opinion or not like mm-hmm. your decision um, because that's going to happen in life in some capacity. So mm-hmm. a lot of times we try to avoid unpleasant situations or feelings, and that's not helpful because they're going to happen <laughs> at some point mm-hmm. or another. Um, and then from there, like really being okay with noticing what choice you do have. We can't control a lot of things. But we have control in every situation about how we want to respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that's the choice that we have? I mean, what is the only choice that we have is how we respond. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it, that's not even for things that involve other people. I mean, if we're going back to just this, this, you know, topic of just being indecisive about different things in general, like worried about what's going to happen if we make this big life decision, right? Like someone who's maybe considering, should I move across the country for this job or this relationship or whatever, pretty big decision, right? Mm-hmm. And there's going to be risks and benefits probably to both sides. And so that that's really the choice. There's a lot of factors there that this person can't control. Like that's why they're being put in the decision-making moment in the first place, Mm -hmm. but they can control how they choose to respond to the choice that they make, Mm -hmm. whatever happens with that. Exactly. And that doesn't mean that there won't be anxiety. The goal here is not to eliminate anxiety, but rather to A, know how to cope with it, B, you know, not try to avoid it and C, feel like there's something, something that's empowering you to have some control over some aspect of the situation, even if it's not the situation as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we are recording this during May, which is mental health awareness month. And I, I like what you just said there. I think it's, it would be interesting to talk about, you know, anyone that is dealing with their mental health with whether it is anxiety to the, to an extreme level, or if it's depression or, you know, how do we navigate life knowing that, yes, I have this mental health or this mental illness, but how, how do we navigate not letting it be a, a identifier of who we are? 
Mm -hmm. That comes back to our story that we tell about ourselves, right? So if my story is that I'm an anxious person, that's going to be my story. That's going to be at the forefront of of the lens in which I look at the world, right? How how do I navigate this? And that's not always a bad thing necessarily. Like sometimes if you, you know, struggle with a particular, let's say you've been through a certain type of trauma, maybe that lens helps to protect you from being in a situation that feels dangerous again, right? So it's not always a bad thing unless you feel like it's starting to really interfere with how you're functioning. And if it does, then it's time to kind of rethink that story. Do I have to think of myself as someone who, you know, is anxious and experiences this? Or is there a way to think, you know what, this is something I deal with, but it's not me as a person. Mm-hmm. And and part of how I do that too is, is I... I will literally have clients like map this out in session, like draw, you know, a pie chart of all the different aspects of them as a person, you know, their hobbies, their, their personality traits that they like about themselves, their job, their relationships, all these different domains of their life, their values being another. And, and once we kind of put that small puzzle piece in the pie chart, they can see this greater picture of who they are and they don't have to be defined by that particular thing that doesn't mean it's not there that doesn't mean that they you know don't maybe need resources in order to help cope with that and and I always recommend people to get resources if they need them but it doesn't have to define who they are yeah exactly exactly so in your opinion when is healing required I would say that for most people, it's when you notice that the number one thing that my clients have all said to me, actually, I think all of them have said this to me when we first met was, I don't feel like myself anymore. Yeah. And so that's a big indicator. If you're noticing that you just feel disconnected from yourself, or you just feel so stuck that you can't even latch on to, you know, a, your sense of self anymore, that would definitely be a time to look for a therapist um, or get some other kind of support. I would also say, you know, there's some people who like to just do it as like their mental health hygiene, the same mm-hmm. way they go to the gym or brush their teeth. And that's totally fine too, because a lot of people think, you know, my problems maybe aren't big enough to go to therapy. And, and that's a myth because if, yeah. if you're stressed about them, there's something there, right? right? So it definitely depends on the person and what kind of natural resources they have and support systems they have. But ultimately, if you're starting to feel like I, I can't or don't want to function this way, that's a sign that you're, you're, you're burnt out from this issue and, and you might need to seek support. Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what does healing mean to you? Oh, I love, I love that question so much for me. I mean, it, it depends on the person and what I'm helping them with and what they're coming to me with. But I would say overall, like finding clarity and creating like clarity for people who are stuck or clarity for people who just don't know what to do next or don't, you know, maybe they're exploring a, a part of their identity or a part of their, their self. So that's a big part is finding the clarity, but also creating meaningful and sustainable change. Um, and I, I think the sustainability part is really big because there's a lot of things that can make us feel better for a little while, yeah. right? But unless we really change either the thought processes or the patterns or, you know, um, a lot of relationship patterns can repeat the cycle over time, those have to be broken, right? The cycles have to be broken in order for there to be real, meaningful, and sustainable change. So for mm-hmm. me, that's what a lot of it is, is just helping people either heal from their past experiences or, you know, the, whatever's going on now is maybe from their past experiences. There's always this like influence from the past that, that leads us to the present. But yeah, just kind of helping people through that process, whatever yeah. it is that they're coming for. Yeah. And that's such an important word, like sustainable, yeah. you know, 
whatever will sustain this feeling of happiness or joy, whatever it might be, because we don't have to always just be getting by. We don't always Mm -hmm. have to be just feeling good enough. We can, we deserve, you know, and we are able to have this sustainability in our life where we are constantly living in our creativity and our passion and feeling like we are living on purpose. Because when we start to feel like we aren't living for a purpose or a reason, then that's when things get out of control. Totally. And, and I mean, that's not to say that like, once you reach a certain point that it's never going to be painful in life again, right? This goes back to that, what we were kind of talking about, about there's always going to be some unpleasant or difficult, challenging experience. Um, Hopefully not all the time, right? But in life, that's, that's just sort of part of the human experience. And so I think just like looking at it a little existentially like that and just, accepting that that's part of the human experience is going to make it easier to be resilient in those times, right? Because um, if you're able to access that that place of creativity and being your highest self through therapy or, or whatever resources you use, then, you know, you're going to have that. And if, if that's your baseline, it'll be easier to deal with the dips, right? But if the dips are starting to feel like your baseline, then it's really hard to try to look up and see the what could be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so powerful. And so, you know, we're all going to have these triggers in life. Mm -hmm. I I totally get that. And I always say the difference is you become more aware of why you're being triggered or, Mm -hmm. or why you're going back to this old, you know, belief or thought pattern, or sometimes even actions that we're taking in our life. So what are some ways that we can identify if we are maybe like, reverting in a way back to past programming. Yeah, this all just comes back to checking in with yourself. So if like the first thing would be to know what your triggers are, you know, at this point in time, right? Mm-hmm. For some folks that's that's related to a trauma, for some folks it's anxiety related, whatever it might be, but just kind of noticing like what sets you off presently, right? And then as you heal from some of those things or as you learn to cope with those things over time, um, you know, you can check in with yourself again. If you're noticing you're having a reaction that feels like maybe a a way that you would have reacted in the past, ask yourself, what happened right before this? Mm. What's happening right now? And and really most importantly, like what is it that I'm responding to in this moment? Because you could be having an argument with your partner or whatnot and then like you're not actually reacting to that argument. You're reacting to something maybe an ex-partner said to you years ago and your current partner has no idea that that happened. And they're like, why are you overreacting? And then now you're in a fight, right? So really asking yourself, what am I reacting to? And then embracing that vulnerability piece again and and being able to communicate to the people in your life, your support system. Here's what I need. That's such a good question. I just wrote it down. What am I actually reacting to (laughs) when you're in the moment? Like, what is it that I'm truly responsible? responding or reacting to here? That's a deep question. That's yeah, an I mean, awesome question. The problem isn't really that you're upset. It's that, are you upset at the the proper thing right now? Right. And if, <laughs> and if there's something happening, you know, in the background, that's not actually happening right in front of you. And that's an opportunity for you to be curious and think, okay, why is this coming up for me right now? Why, why am I, have I found myself in this position? And then, you know, you can go from there to kind of heal whatever was triggered. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to, I want to backtrack for just a sec. I don't Mm want to like leave this off the table because you said something earlier about, you know, when healing is required, it's, you know, sometimes we feel like, well, my pain or my trauma isn't big enough to get this help Mm -hmm. that I could use. So 
can you speak a little bit on that about, you know, I know for me, a big part of this past year has been owning my story, owning my past and being able to share that with someone in a way of what happened to me is unique. And it's not like I went through major big T trauma, but other people can still relate to me and my story. So, Mm -hmm. so how do we um, realize that any pain is pain and you don't have to feel that way? I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, part of what we were talking about earlier was like building the self-worth, right? Building the the trust in yourself, building the um, the ability to give yourself permission. And I think that's really what it comes back to is if I feel like I am deserving of not feeling pain, I'm going to be a lot more likely to seek help for it, right? But if I feel like I deserve to feel this way, then I'm not because mm-hmm. I, this is just what it's, what it's like. This is just how it is to be me. Right. So really, really asking ourselves like, or to anyone who's listening, like, is, is that the narrative that I really want to be sticking to that? Like, I'm not worthy of, of good things or that I'm not worthy of not feeling pain. Um, and then you can give yourself permission to sort of be like, you know what, I'm allowed to talk to someone about this, no matter what it is, no matter how big or how small I am worthy of going to someone who's not going to judge me mm-hmm. and who will just hear me. Because that's what therapy is. Therapy is not like a magic wand that fixes problems. All my clients wish it was, and uh, sometimes I do too, but it's not. It's it's an opportunity to explore, and it's an opportunity to really just have a space where someone is just listening and being there for you. It's your space, and and all of us, every single person listening is worth having that space if they feel like they want it or need it. Yeah. And that's all we really want is someone to just hold space for us. And mm-hmm. like you said, therapy isn't always, you know, going to give you the exact answers or, you know, it's not a one size fits all, or let me fix it. So it's important to understand that. I love that you use that word where we're just exploring, we're just mm-hmm. exploring what really is going on, what's going on beneath the surface. And then we can maybe start to navigate things in a healthy, a productive way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I get a lot of people who have big T traumas and I get a lot of people who don't. And both of those groups of people are equally worthy of having space held for them. So if someone is listening and they do have that thought of, you know, am I just taking up a slot for someone else who needs it more? A, no, you're not because Mm -hmm. there's a ton of us, right? There's room for everyone, but also like you are inherently worthy of that no matter what. Yeah, exactly. And that, that feeling of being unworthy or that feeling of not being enough or deserving, you know, it's just so deeply ingrained in us sometimes. Yeah. And it, and sorry, I, and I was just going to say, no. I feel like that even comes back to like this whole greater topic of just like decisions, right? Because how we view ourselves and how we think about ourselves is going to paint the picture of, of what we think we can do or achieve or what we think we should do. And so if we're able to kind of let go of those expectations and that, that inherent shame that comes up for all of us, then even when we're making any decision, um, you know, it's going to be a lot more reflective of those values we were talking about. And it's going to be a lot more aligned with what you actually want for yourself, even if you don't know what that looks like yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I always ask the question, what have you personally, Laura, what have you found? What power have you found through healing? Yeah. Wow. I mean, there's so many 
I just had like 10 million thoughts and I'm trying to make a decision on which one to speak on. But um, no, I mean, in my own life, you know, just the power of healing both through therapy and through just like other, you know, less traditional roots, creativity being a big one. Um, I'm a recreational singer and dancer on the side. And that's been a huge, huge um, asset to my own healing for for issues of shame, perfectionism, self-worth, all those things that apparently I coach other people on, you know, we all have some of that in, in ourselves. And so for me, having those outlets that are just for me, again, no carrot at the end of the stick, right? No, mm-hmm. no um, expectation of what's going to happen, just in a just a place where I get to be authentic and vulnerable and myself and have space for that has been just incredible in terms of me being able to feel like, okay, these parts of myself that are rooted in shame, I don't have to have them. I don't have to believe them. I can put them over here in a box and not open it and, and, and accept that. Right. And so for me, that's been a huge part of it. And also just like, you know, healing from, from being a people pleaser and healing from expectations that others have put on me throughout my life and and really learning that like I'm in control of how I want to react to those expectations and I don't have to choose the path that's limiting or that's you know telling me I have to do what they want me to do yeah exactly and so what is the importance in doing this work in your opinion I mean to give you like a life worth living right I mean it's First of all, again, everyone is inherently worthy of that and and everyone's going to have hardships that sometimes get in the way of that, but through consistent and sustainable healing, right, that sustainability piece is so crucial because ultimately this is what life's about and, you know, I'm sure people have different debates on that, but, but ultimately it's, it's, it, it just gives you purpose and it gives you a sense of identity and a sense of like, I, I'm important and what I'm doing is important and who I am is important and contributes good things. And sometimes without healing, those, those beliefs get shoved so deeply beneath the more limiting beliefs that I'm not good enough or that I'm not worthy or that I have to make this decision or else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so powerful. Thank you so much, Laura. Yeah. This Thank is so you. helpful. Yeah. I'm so glad. So I'm so I could, glad. Yeah. We, I'm sure we could go on forever, but <laughs> you know, is, if there's anything that you want to leave listeners with anything that you think that could help us when we're in this moment of just reset or rethinking our life and the direction, is there anything else important that you want to leave? Yeah. I mean, sometimes things, people, situations are in our lives for seasons. And that doesn't mean that they're not worthwhile or that they're not, you know, useful or or provide us with something. I think so often we have developed over time these beliefs that like if things aren't permanent, then they weren't worthwhile. And that's mm-hmm. just not true. You know, we can get so much value from from things that are maybe more temporary in nature. And so hopefully that combined with again that that reframe of we're not married to our decisions we're allowed to have flexibility hopefully that helps people not feel so stuck or paralyzed in that moment because every decision is going to be a a risk and benefit right and so just thinking about like I'm allowed to try that I'm allowed to to never do it again if I don't like it Mm -hmm. it's all okay yeah and I love that word flexibility I always say you know, we have to stay flexible. We have to be flexible in our life. But so many times, me included, we'll say, well, I would love to have this or to do that or to have this in my life. 
as long as it doesn't take me too far outside my comfort zone or as long as it doesn't do this X, Y, and Z. So, so what would you say to that? Well, it's definitely important to be in our comfort zone at times, right? I'm thinking of, again, folks who've maybe experienced a trauma or something like it's, it's safe for them to be in their comfort zone, right? But it's also important for us just in general to also explore things outside of that, because that's where we grow. That's where we evolve. And, you know, so often, like, our, our worldview is shaped by our experiences and what's comfortable. And that may align with some people's values. And for others, it may not. And so that requires the extra work of just trying and seeing what happens. Yeah. What's the importance in taking risks? I mean, that's what allows you to experience new things, right? Every, I mean, if, if you want to get a little existential, almost everything we've done at this point in life has like been a risk, right? It's just <laughs> maybe it was a risk earlier on, so it doesn't feel like one now. But I mean, that's how we expand. That's how we grow. That's how we learn to appreciate new things. That's how we become more diverse in our in our way of thinking, open-minded, right? And for a lot of folks, that's how we have found relationships, or opportunities. And so, you know, not every risk is going to get you the the result that that you hope for. And I think just having that acceptance of that before you even start, just like knowing that's part of the risk, you know, um, that makes it easier to navigate it. And then again, evaluating like, does it not working out the way I thought mean that it's a failure or can it mean something else? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I'm getting chills because this conversation (laughs) is like making me feel so much better. Like it's validating me, not only in the way that I've, you know, been going about my own healing in my own past few years, like the things that I've been, you know, speaking about and the things that I've been trying to share with others and to promote in this world. I feel like you're helping me uh, just know that I'm on the right path myself. (laughs) So at least I hope everyone listening can help get some, you know, guidance and, um, and feel validated in the direction of their own life, but I'm feeling it right now. So thank you so much again. (laughs) Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And I I hope that this, you know, helps a lot of people realize that, you know, you're, you're allowed to have that flexibility. You're allowed to give yourself permission. You're allowed to take chances and you're allowed to, you know, pick yourself up after a result that maybe you didn't like, or who knows, you could have an amazing result that you would have never anticipated. So I'm, I'm so glad that it's been helpful. Exactly. Well, thank you. And you have an amazing rest of the day. You too, Amanda. Thanks so much. Wow. So I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation with Laura and I hope you guys did too. I hope you had some really awesome takeaways. Please make sure to share this episode with anyone that you think could benefit. I highly recommend following Laura on Instagram. I love her positive feed. You can find her on Instagram at lauraskrowlcsw. I'll drop that in the show notes as well. And I hope that you will go out today just living in your power, living in your creativity, knowing that you are absolutely amazing. And as always, remember that there is so much power to be found through healing.